Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Gruesome. I'm Connie, along with the voodoo queen of L.L. Bean, Meg. This is episode six, The Life and Times of Clementine. And I'm going to let Meg take over for this one because I have no idea what the hell she's about to tell me. (laughs) Dear Diary, my teenage angst has a body count. You might know that quote from Heathers or if you were an emo kid in the early 2000s. And you might not know it at all, in which case you should probably watch Heathers, and it will ironically, perfectly show you that teenagers are crazy. They're yes. old enough. Yeah, 100%. They're nuts. They're old enough to decide, to plot, to manipulate, but they haven't been alive long enough to fully understand the implications of their choices. And if you're a teenager listening to this, I am absolutely talking to you. Yes. I remember being there. I remember being like... <laughs> What can I say or do to get exactly what I want? Right. And honestly, if someone cannot tell me one thing they did as a teenager where they could have potentially died, not sure that we lived the same kind of life. We might not be able to be friends. No, maybe we should just like tuck away and be like, oh, yeah, us either. either. (laughs) We definitely didn't. We can be friends as long as we're talking about murder. That's it. (laughs) that's it that's it segue don't talk to me (laughs) don't talk to me unless it's about serial killers um speaking of we have all heard about lizzie borden right she took an axe she gave her parents 40 wax we have not heard about clementine barnabet the 17 year old supposed hoodoo high priestess who murdered at least five entire families upwards of 20 people probably more with their own family axes Ugh. No, never, ever heard of this girl. Honestly, it's the high priestess for me. But let's dig in. (laughs) Yeah, high priest. I don't even know what that is. I'll be completely transparent there. Before we get into it, this this episode's a little, um, it's a little occult. It's a little historic. It's got serial killers. It's magical times. Um, So hoodoo and voodoo. And we are going back to Louisiana because ain't no crazy like Louisiana crazy. (laughs) But Louisiana is also known for voodoo, right? Mm-hmm. Voodoo and hoodoo are different things. Voodoo is a, um, it's a religion. It's Voodoo is a, an actual religion and it originally, originalated, it originated <laughs> in Haiti and has roots in West Africa and their spiritual traditions. Voodoo does not have those things. It it does have like belief in like high energies, but there aren't any like specific gods. It takes a little bit from voodoo, a little bit from Christianity, a little bit from all of those different Haitian and West African traditions and kind of just balls it up into one. It also has like Native American influences as well. We're going back to Louisiana and several places in Louisiana. There's Rain, there's Crowley, there's Lafayette, there's Lake Charles. All of these towns or parishes 
counties, as we learned in a former episode. <laughs> but we're also going to Texas just a little bit. So November 9th, 1909. Oh, we're taking it way back. Yeah, it's, it's post-Civil War, like almost right after the Civil War. Um, Edna Opelousas, her husband, some accounts say that she has a husband that was murdered as well, but some just mention her, and her three children, ages four through nine. They're all found murdered. Edna was assaulted before she and her family were murdered, and an article from that year says that one man and two women were arrested and will possibly be hung for their crimes, but there are no names listed, and the articles surrounding the death are very short and unimportant. Kind of like that kind of thing happened all the time and it was no big deal but spoiler alert it's not it's not a big deal i mean it is so were they like were they short like short articles because they didn't want to draw attention to it i don't think that they were short articles um something to keep in mind in post civil war louisiana there these all happen in the black communities so it seemed unimportant to people who are printing newspapers. I would imagine that's why it was short. Because all Ugh. of these families that are murdered are black families. I hate to see it. Yeah, you do. You hate to see it. So after this murder, nothing happens until 1911. Like a year and a half later. And then we get a killing spree. So January 31st. Crowley, Louisiana, 1911. Walter Byers, his wife, and their six-year-old son are found and described as having been brained with an axe, which is uh. kind of my new favorite term, though. Like, I'd never heard the term brained, and it's awful, but I like it. Sorry, everyone. Um, the murderer had entered through a rear window and killed them while they were all sleeping. No one found them until they started to smell. Ooh. No clues are found. No clues. And obviously, like, back in 1911, they had zero forensic evidence. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, today. They do get into a little bit of, like, early 1900s forensics later, but it's so minimal. Um, Because not even a month later, 20 miles away, on February 25th, 1911, the Andrus family is murdered in Lafayette, Louisiana. It's a father, Alexander, the mother, Mimi, and their two small children. Again! Brained with an axe while they were sleeping. This time, the victims, after they are um, murdered, they're set up as though they're saying their prayers on their knees next to the family bed. That is awful. Yeah. And that murder is finally when everyone is like, hey, this type of crime seems familiar to last month and the one a couple of years ago. And the direct quote from that paper is, the crimes are so alike that they may be the work of the same terrible monster. Maybe. You think? We're not sure. Not everyone's just sneaking in back windows. Everything about the crime seemed to be similar. So, so the maybe they thought it was this escaped lunatic named Garf. Okay, I'm gonna butcher this name, Garcon, but it could be Garcon. It's Louisiana, so maybe it's French. I don't know. Garcon. It's Garcon, Garcon, yeah. Godfrey. Uh, they thought he was the murderer, and so they arrested his mom. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> they couldn't find him. And they arrested his mom and she was like, all right, all right, I'll tell you where he is. Because she knew where he was hiding. Um, but ultimately, he hadn't left the place he had been hiding and they couldn't connect him to that crime. So they just popped him on back over in the old uh, sane asylum. I'm going to go with Garcon. Garcon. I think I think that's probably right. But whenever yeah. I hear it, I just hear like, waiter, Garcon. But that was probably a name initially. Yes. Nah. And it is like predominantly like a lot of Cajuns, speaking from experience, from my short stint down in Louisiana, a lot of Cajuns speak French. So it's very... It's like their own dialect, right? Oh, yeah. 
I had some patients that would come in that I had no idea what the hell they I were would saying. Love, I was reading it. I was reading um, like different newspaper articles and book excerpts in like from quotes with quotes from people speaking Cajun. And I was like deciphering it. It was very I'd love to hear it spoken in real life. Well, you're going to have to go visit Karen because <laughs> St. Karen. St. Karen. <laughs> uh, so now we have three entire families all murdered with an axe. And at each site, the axe has been cleaned and left in the home. So they don't take it with them. Oh, yeah, that's weird. It is weird. So what about Clementine? Uh, yeah, where the hell did she come from? Because I'm just kind of really confused at this point. Yeah, exactly. We're going to get there. Don't worry. So we, the murdered family in January 1911, February 1911, and now it's March 1911 in Texas. The Cassaway family of five is murdered. Guess how? Brained. <laughs> Brained with an axe. Same shtick. But because it happens in Texas, police are confused. And it's the early 1900s, so they haven't connected the fact that there's a whole bunch of these braidings happening over in Louisiana. So Texas is investigating it, but they're like, how could someone do this? While Louisiana's like, ah, no, not again. Don't mess with Texas. (laughs) I used to have a t-shirt that said that. Oh, you got to get another one. That's a great t-shirt. I want one. Someone from Texas, send me that t-shirt. Probably sell it at like corner stores. Corner stores having a hard time talking. Okay, still 1911. We're going to go to October. Seven months later, the murders have been thoroughly investigated and several different men have been arrested and let go. But the investigation inevitably leads them to Raymond Barnabet, Clementine's dad. So Raymond is a known criminal. He has a violent past. He, it is written that he abused his family. So police are like, this guy could definitely kill kids with an axe. So they arrest Because him. he's an asshole. Yeah, because he's a jerk. So he is arrested and partially because Clementine and her brother <laughs> Zephyrin, that is an allergy medication, medication, but also a name, sounds like one. <laughs> They both testify against him. So Clementine and her brother testify against their dad, which not common today, not common then. And so the police are like, sweet, nail in the coffin. This guy definitely killed the Andrus family. And his kids said he bragged about it to them while he was covered in brain and blood and all this stuff. So they book him. That's why you can't do that to your kids. (laughs) We'll cover... We'll cover other cases that were unsolved where kids call in and they're like, I think it was my dad or I think it was my mom. Uh, My mom came home really late that night. Oh, man. Good looking out. Kids say the darndest things. (laughs) I can book you for murder. (laughs) So Raymond, the man that everyone agrees has been committing these horrific crimes, is in jail. But on November 26th, the Randall family, two parents and four children are killed mutilated and dismembered by you guessed it axe an axe yep which is again found cleaned up and stuck in the house so how do they know that it's the family axe because well is it like evident yeah so in that time it was axes weren't a weird thing to have they use them for splitting wood they use them to build houses they use them for everything you know okay so having an axe was a pretty common thing just like um i'm trying to think it looks like a not a scythe but like a like a big long metal hammer you know what i'm talking about like skinny uh, no no <laughs> okay. but that's because it involves a tool so <laughs> i just keep thinking hammer mallet stuff like that yeah club Iron tools are common in that time. 
So everyone had one. And the neighborhoods where these crimes are taking place, people are freaking out. They're hiding their axes. They're locking their doors. They're locking their windows. This murderer is only going into houses who has like lights on and windows unlocked. We we talked about this in the last episode. Gruesome life tip. Lock your windows. Lock your windows. Lock, lock your, your doors. doors. Uh, so they find this family of six and the cops are like, what the heck? The guy is in jail. But also when they're investigating, it's raining outside. So all of the evidence outside, any footprints, anything like that, it's all washed Fine. away. Yeah. But they are still convinced that Raymond is responsible, even though he was in jail. They decide, okay, we're just going to search his house then because he isn't working alone, obviously. So they search the home of Raymond, Clementine, and Zephyrin, and they find Clementine's brain and blood-soaked clothes. And I'm assuming it was not a common thing to have a girl. <laughs> no. So sexism really works for Clemmy for a minute because the investigators are like, no way did this 17-year-old girl child, she's not sadistic enough to commit these heinous crimes. Never. But... They have to arrest her. Um, so she is arrested for the murder of the Andrus family and of the Randall. Oh, okay. So she's arrested. So she's in jail for quite some time, about a year. And police inevitably make connections that some of the families murdered, like the Randalls specifically, are members of a religious group called the Church of Sacrifice or the Sacrifice Church, the both are listed. Um, a group that I would never join a church where sacrifice is. <laughs> um. Well, I guess these people would because Clementine and her father and brother are also members of this church. Is there a mom? Do they have a mom? There's no list of a mom anywhere. Maybe she died, um, but she is not with them at any point during this. Okay. So this religious cult-like connection becomes even more apparent because Clementine and her father, the culprits, are both still in jail, but bodies are still showing up. Oh. Yeah. A woman and her kids, the Broussard family, their axe murdered in January 1912. February, four more are murdered in Texas, and then another family of six in Texas. All mutilated, heads split open, limbs removed. Brained. Brained. Gruesome. Nasty. Ugh. Yeah. So investigate. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't, I don't like that. I don't like I that don't at like all. That. I don't like, one, axe murderers in general. I don't like but it. But like a whole group of axe murderers? No, it's like a party that I don't want to be invited <laughs> Please to. Please don't invite us to your axe murder party. Unless it's like one of those murder mystery parties and there's free food, in which case I will come. Yes, yes. Mostly for And drink food. all your beer. I'm going <laughs> to come drink your beer and eat your food. But don't kill me with an axe. <laughs> no, axe murdering allowed. So, investigators, they're like, what's going on with the Church of Sacrifice? I like that name more. It's spooky, so I'm going to go with that. And they yeah, put, 10 out of 10. <laughs> they put some informants on the inside. And the informants link this church with some voodoo, or hoodoo, cults in New Orleans. But outside of that, they cannot get any evidence against any person in this church for committing these crimes. There's nothing. Um, so now the case is still being investigated in Louisiana and in Texas. So at this point, does Texas and Louisiana know that they're, it's like connected? Everything is connected? I don't think so specifically. Maybe it doesn't ever say that that is the case. 
Um, okay. But Louisiana are focusing on the occult side of this investigation. And the Texans are taking a more practical approach, as I think Texans would do. Very practical, them Texans. <laughs> so they realize, hey, all of these brainings are taking place. It stops along the Southern Pacific rail line. So in the early 1900s, it was really easy to train hop or freight hop, whatever you want to call it. It was a pretty regular means of transportation after the Civil War. The tra- As the tracks went further west, if you couldn't afford to travel or if you were a migrant worker, also called hobos, by the way, that's where hobos came from, um, they would do it to go find work. And when the Great Depression hit, it stuck around and people still do it. They still train hop. Um, but it was just the way to go if you couldn't afford to go. I know this sounds very pretentious of me, but I always forget trains exist. <laughs> Ever since I moved out of Indiana and like Muncie in particular, where it's like nothing but trains every day, yes. I don't think I've been stopped by one in years. You so don't I just live kind of for- in Indiana if you're not late to work or school because you were stopped by a train. Like, yeah, that is. And even if you're late, you just say you were, and they just believe you. <laughs> you're like, sorry, train. You're like, oh no, I get it. It's cool. <laughs> Yes, exactly. But freight hopping is the exact reason why that whoever was murdering these families could hop a train as soon as it was done, be out of town, and law enforcement was none the wiser. And they were right when they figured it out, though. Like, they got it. Um, That's some good police work. It was. Good job, Texas. Good job. They also realized that because of this, the next murder would be in San Antonio. But it didn't stop it from happening. Oh. So we're up to roughly 30-ish murders. Um, with everyone going down from this, this, this is victims or 30 families. Um, well, I mean, yeah, they're not 30 families, victims. Cause each family is like four to six people. That's insane. And I hate that it's like the kids too. Yeah. Not that it like makes it any better, but Jesus. no, they, and they did weird things to the bot. Like they would position them. They put, um, like pieces of wood between like the baby's fingers to keep them spread open. There's, the they would write things in blood on the walls. It was very, this sounds like a really bad Sundance movie. It's a bad like, time. <laughs> Yeah, that's not. Okay, so back to Hoodoo High Priestess of the Church of Sacrifice, Clementine Barnabet, who was 17 years old. 17. 17. 17. When this is happening, she's between 16 and 18 over the course of this whole thing. So 1909, 16, 1910, 11, 17, 18, 19, 18. It's very, it's very vague, her age. It changes in each one. Again, I think it was just because. Poor record keeping. Poor record keeping, absolutely. Um, so she's still in prison and she's maintaining her innocence until April Fool's Day, 1912. Suddenly she confesses. What? She says, my name is Clementine Barnabet. I was born, partly raised in the town of St. Martinville, Louisiana, and I moved to Lafayette about three years ago. And that's when I began to lead a life of degradation. I was with two other women. And two men in New New Iberia, Louisiana, which you remember, that's where the first murder happened. Mm -hmm. They met an old man who told them that he could sell us hoodoos with which we could do as we pleased and we would never be detected and we would be protected from the hands of the law. Okay. Okay. So Clementine has just said, three years ago, I met a hoodoo man who gave me a kanja 
which is like a kanja bag. It's like a talisman, yeah. a magical talisman that could essentially allow them to do whatever they wanted and not get caught. She said so they decided to murder people? They bought them for $3 and they left New Iberia that night and went back to Lafayette and began to plan. But they hadn't decided on committing any murders. While they were discussing those plans, she says that the question came up, could we murder people and be protected by our hoodoos? Like a hypothetical? Yeah. So they drew straws. Yep, that's how she did it. They drew straws. And it was her. One of those people, she said, Clementine said, went back and asked the old man, and he told them that their lives would, at all times, be fully protected. I I just be like, hey, uh, so you think we could, like, kill people? He was like, yep. Yeah. Which is strange, because from what I have researched about hoodoo and voodoo, it's typically not dark, like, it's not dark conjuring or not dark root work. No. It's all, like, healing and, like, helping, like, magics. So... The fact that they were immediately like, hey, dude, you think we could, like, off some off some people and they'd be cool with Whole it? Families. Yeah, Whole families. Yeah, exactly. So it's already a little confusing, right? Like, why would they just start murdering people? But she said they drew straws and Clementine was the one. And her exact quote was, the lot fell to me. And accordingly, I got to work that night. I went to my sister who lived at Rain near the OG railroad depot and later during the night i went uptown disguised as a man i secured an axe and near the cabin where i killed them and their four children so it was like just uh sure these people will do if there was no rhyme or reason to it it's yeah just... they were essentially testing it just because the old man said that they would be protected wow yep so she does she does the deed right and she goes back and she tells the gang and they're all watching the investigation and they realize that they're not going to get busted and she's like okay they work we're safe, but Clementine just kept going, explaining what happened in Crowley, Lafayette, Rain. She's still giving this whole testimony about every single thing she did to all of these people. And she tells them about the fourth murder, which was on a Sunday night after a meeting at the Sacrifice Church. So after leaving, they got in the axe and they ran into two night officers on their way to do it. And they just kind of tucked the, gr- the axe in the grass until the officers passed and then they just went back to get it and once they got to the Randall's house they entered from the back and killed them so at this point are they all doing it so this is what Clementine says yes she says that it's still her and these two women and these two men right yeah that she was with she said after they killed them most of the family she took a pistol that she had stolen from her brother and she hid it up her dress and she shot the dad it's Norbert or Norman. Um, they both are listed, but I think it's Norbert. She went to work the next day. And after they, the Randalls were murdered, remember, they were like, we're going to go search the dad's house. And that's when they found her clothes. So she was arrested at work at about 10 in the morning. Do we know what she did besides take out entire families? Kind of. <laughs> but wait. Does she, does she have, like, what does she do for her job? Oh, yes. That's what did. Haha. <laughs> I didn't understand the question. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, uh, she worked in someone's home. She was like a house. A house okay. Owner. So she was cleaning in the house, she said. Um, Man, can you imagine having someone working at your house? Like, say your contractor is doing something. <laughs> right. And Her they're employers like, hey. must have been pretty nice. Okay. Uh, by the way, <laughs> we got to arrest your we got to arrest this person. And they're like, what? Why? She's great. No, actually, she's murdered like 10 families, five families. I was over. That's, 
That's that's insane. So they arrest her and they ask her if there was any agreement not to tell on any of the other members of her gang while she's doing her testimony. And she said, yes, there was an agreement, but she wanted to clear her conscience. I don't think it's going to do much. So this- no, not at this point. You're damned. <laughs> you're, you're damned, Clemmy. So the whole story, this whole section of me telling you this, this was her confession. Police found out that all of the names and information she gave about those two men and women are lies. Those people what? don't exist. So it was her? All her. Oh! But the, it doesn't really have a clear-cut ending because it happened so long ago and there is a ton of conflicting information, mainly because of Clementine constantly changing her story. So, in a very brief recap of what probably did happen, a teenage girl in Louisiana seemingly commits any more anywhere between 18 and 35 axe murders. She claims she did it, because a witch doctor told her that she was protected by the hoodoos he had given her or that she had purchased. She, she claimed <laughs> to have several accomplices, none of which were ever caught. A line in a Bible from the Church of Sacrifice, and this line was also written in blood in the House of the Randalls, says, And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth forth not good fruit is honed down and cast into the fire. I know, man. You can't even. <laughs> I don't even. I'm like sitting here trying to think like to what to say. Process it. So, I mean. So. So was she a hoodoo priestess? And she was just misinforming to hide her sect? Was she an abused, misguided youth that was just taking out her rage on families that were together when hers was not? What, what Was happened? she possessed? Was because... she possessed? That's a great question. I didn't ask myself that. Was she possessed? Was there. I mean, if you believe in that sort of thing, which I do, I that's just insane that but I agree also with your the rage if we don't know how bad her dad was to her. Yeah, we we know very little to nothing about it. All we know is just that that town was shocked, especially because the the murders were heinous. They were awful. They were. Bodies were mutilated. They were seemingly a cult, you know, and it's all done by one teenage girl. Do we know if the church ever said anything about it? Did they say anything like that? So they never said anything specifically about this, but the church did have um, a priest. His name was Thompson, and he was also real sketchy. Like, it seemed like he was hiding something. But again, the people that infiltrated that church could never get any information out of it so it was honestly probably this whole church group cult murdering the people around them maybe and she volunteered as tribute to be like it was me uh you know i think that might have been it and it could have been a little bit of that misguided youth too like maybe she was just supposed to like you know take out the whatever that group thought were the bad eggs but instead she got into it because honestly i don't see I don't see, especially if you're wielding an axe, because they're heavy. I've only lifted one like five times, but they're heavy. And to me, it would think I wouldn't, I would think that if, so if I walk into someone's house and I have this axe and I'm taking out an entire family, I feel like someone could, either the mom or the dad would fight back. So uh, she talks about how she always did the parents first. Um... Like, as they were sleeping, just like... And it seems like all the kids were young kids, right? Yeah, I don't think I read it, of one older than 10. So it's like, it's not like the kids had any chance no, of fighting they back. Didn't, they didn't, um... This is really awful. 
I don't even want to say it, but I'm gonna. Um, they did not axe the kids. They like bashed their head in with like the blunt end of it. Oh my god. Yeah. So real misguided. Now I understand. Yeah. Now I understand the terminology brain. Yeah. It's like, what's a better word? There isn't any. That's awful. So then I definitely don't think it's just her because that would take a lot of force. Yeah. And also she was in jail when a lot of those happened. Yeah. I think it was like, I agree. I think it was like a whole church thing. There's a whole group of them and she just got the shit end of the stick of taking the rap for it. Yeah. And if you, I mean, if anyone has more information that I'm missing, I I read quite a few things on it over the last couple of weeks. Um, and it was very hard to just like piece together all of these parts. Um, she did go to prison. She went to Angola State Penitentiary. And- okay, so Angola, yeah. I know this because my brother-in-law's stepdad retired from there. <laughs> from the that state pl- penitentiary? Yeah, he worked there. That place is no joke. They send, even today, the worst of the worst of the worst. Like that place is freaking insane i read that it used to be just a women's prison so it i don't know when they changed it but like i know when he worked there like it was they had men because there's actually um i know of one particular case that uh, i don't want to go too much into because i want to cover it later (laughs) that's where he was uh that's where the man was held before he was executed well then you'll find this interesting because most people say she escaped because she vanished from prison and seemingly the face of the earth in 1933 10 years what i'm gonna have to ask him like (laughs) if there's any oh that's crazy so some people say that she was released for good behavior but i don't don't believe that yeah like why would they that's not the type of place they just (laughs) you've been great See you later. Because people, and this could be completely wrong. Sometimes I think I hear, like, I think I know stories, but I don't know if it's like half listening to it or like a story of a story of a a story (laughs) of a story of a story that I've heard. But I'm pretty sure they had people on horses that patrolled, like the guards. They had people outside that were on horses that patrolled because it's like in the sticks. Yeah. So do you think? Because she was a hoodoo practitioner, that she created something that helped her disappear. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. That's, I would like to think, like, not like I would like to think so. But that would make, that would make for a very interesting ending. According, so someone wrote a book about, Clem, or chapter, I'm sorry, about Clementine Barnabet. No, angsty 19th century teenager. Mm-hmm. And in 1985, a Louisiana woman visited her 103-year-old great-grandmother. I just got chills. I did too when I was saying it and I wrote it. (laughs) So her great-grandmother told her this horrifying tale of Clementine. And this is 1985, right? No internet. Mm -hmm. Her grandmother died that year. And after looking at a painting of her granny in her youth, that woman realized that she was a dead ringer for Clementine Barnabet's newspaper clippings. Oh my God. I literally, I have, I have goosebumps. So, did she escape to change her identity and hide that yeah, broken young woman she was? We'll never know. That's like, you know, that's what makes it like even more insane. Like you would think if she had this insane rage inside of her that she would not be able to get out and live just a normal life. I mean, maybe that time in this gnarly prison set her straight. Maybe she practiced her spiritual outlet. Oh my gosh. 
her spirituality. <laughs> and I am going to say she was possessed. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Possessed? Bad. She was possessed. Bad juju. Bad juju. Possessed. You don't go messing with hoodoo and voodoo and all of that stuff. You just don't. You know do what? It. Mess with it if you want to, but that's true. You can <laughs> because it's not always bad. It's not. But the only the only hoodoo I have like well, that's how it's depicted t- in pop culture, right? It's always yeah, that's how- dark and scary and like stabbing the dolls and like you know Vincent from the originals, like his that's. Yeah, I know. I'm throwing it into like my my quarantine binges were <laughs> the Vampire Diaries and the originals. So it's fresh on the mind. And that is a big part of the culture down in Louisiana. Like it's bad juju, like all of that. It's not bad juju, but I'm saying juju in general. Yeah, so like, specifically in Louisiana, um, when they practiced their spirituality or their root work, that hoodoo, they had to do it in secrecy. While in other, like, places in the South, they were free to, like, maintain their religions. But eventually, like, in other places, they were not allowed to. So I think it is similar. I would it kind of reminds me of Wiccan. Like, you have a few bad apples, and it just kind of spoils the taste for everyone. Like, you just assume witches are these horrible people, and most of them are just, like, in touch with nature. And Yeah, they, like, they're light workers. Yeah. They're, yep, absolutely. That is 100% the case. It's just how they're depicted, how they've been demonized, how they've been portrayed. And pop thing. culture doesn't help that, because, like you said, that's all we see. We see voodoo dolls. You don't hear, like, of the healing powers or anything. You hear voodoo doll and pins and needles and all that bad that stuff. I didn't know that voodoo and voodoo were different until I started this article. And- I didn't know they were different until you told me today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you're just like, ah, same shtick, right? But no, it varies <laughs> greatly from all different kinds of cultures. It's very cool. You know what? I need to call my mom and tell her, no matter what I did when I was 17 through 19 (laughs) i was not murdering entire families with a freaking axe good for you yeah we didn't do that no teenage hormones are rough what happened i don't think so (laughs) because we got pretty pissed off at our parents and it was never like you know what (laughs) i'll show you i'm gonna murder an entire family hop and just murder families all along the midwest we're like we're gonna tell you this and we're gonna Go listen to bands. <laughs> uh, that's insane. Where are you going? I'm going to a show, Mom. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'll be back. Is that eye? Is that eyeshadow? No, it's eyeliner. It's black like my soul. <laughs> it was. It was very dark. <laughs> it was throw it. like this story. Our eyeliner was very dark. Yes, and I dig the Heather's line. It really, really just brings it all back. I just don't. I my takeaways from this entire episode are one, no way she was doing it alone, obviously. Two, you know, don't fuck with your kids because they're gonna implicate you for murder and you're gonna be sitting in jail forever because your kids are gonna say, Hey, guess what? I think my dad is the axe murderer. Three, please. Do we know anything about the brother? I was curious, hey, three, please don't name your kid Zephyrin. Um, I'm just kidding, that's a very cool name if you're into that. Uh, I really like names. Zephy. <laughs> I would call him Zephy. Uh, he got arrested also, but there's no articles about him because I think, you know, maybe they just wanted to sensationalize the idea of a 17-year-old girl being capable of, you know, sold papers, right? Yeah, and that it's insane. Like, you don't think back 
in that day, women were ladies. Like they, not they anymore, were not, man. <laughs> nope, not anymore. Definitely not. Well, some people still are. Kudos to you. It's not me. It's not Connie. No, I try. I'll speak for Connie yeah. when I say <laughs> it's not Connie. <laughs> it is not me. Uh, not even a little bit. Well, thanks for that. That was traumatizing. <laughs> I'm going to go kiss my babies because that's awful. Yeah. And it makes you wonder. I'd like to think that if I lived back then, if someone snuck in, even if they were Brayden Zach, I'd be able to save like, the day. Wake up and be like, not today, Satan. And like grab the axe. Watch out, watch out, watch out, watch like, out. Go no. into like a karate sequence where you. Like a Kill Bill slow-mo. Yeah. Whoop. That's two Kill Bill references. <laughs> or no, two Quentin Tarantino <laughs> references in two episodes we're having the time of our lives <laughs> thanks for listening guys we love traumatizing you and you know we get off on our weird little tangents and <laughs> thanks for sticking with us because most people have no idea what the hell we're talking about although there are some people who are listening that are like you know what i remember them in high school and everything they're saying is absolutely <laughs> correct did wear a lot of, i did wear a lot of eyeliner and go to shows yeah i wore eyeliner as eyeshadow Hashtag former emo kid. I remember. <laughs> I remember having. I don't even. I don't want to say his name, but uh, don't do it. Don't do it. I remember having a guy tell me on AOL Instant Messaging, "Hey, you know what? You would be a lot prettier if you wore less eyeliner." And I was like, like "You'd be well, prettier go. if you wore more." Get out of town. <laughs> and now I'm thinking, like, you're probably right because <laughs> I put a little bit too much on today, and I was like, "Yikes." <laughs> Oh, eyeliner. It makes my eyes itch now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I like, like, how did I wear all of this? I can't even wear it without touching it now. Ah, ah, ah. You do like the pat, you know, on your head. Yeah. And, I'm like, your and then your eyes, then your eyes starts to water. And now like, it's like halfway through the day. And I'm like, why do I have jeans on? And what did I do with my hair? Tune in on YouTube ah. for our makeup tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to show you the blackest of the black eyeliner and drugstore foundation. We that. There's like a TikTok uh, trend right now where I guess it might not. It might have been a couple weeks ago. It goes so fast these days. But they like <laughs> you dress like yourself in like middle school or in high school. And that would be that's my goal when we go to Riot Fest. <laughs> Me in high school. I'm going to drop every single pound I've had since I've had kids wither away to nothing, wear a <laughs> bra strap as a choker, because I used to do that too, wash only my bangs, nothing else, greasy the rest of it, and just wear black eyeliner. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I'll post a picture <laughs> when it happens. I'm going to yeah. look like a can of busted biscuits. But <laughs> Tube socks, mini skirt, band tee, puffy that, buns. Yep. That you, oh, and then sometimes Not I would like wear the buns, head. Like hair buns, <laughs> like space buns. But then uh, I would wear a headband from the shirt collar that you cut and sewed to make it go off our shoulders a little bit. Yeah, with our match. <laughs> we looked so awesome. We got on Fall Out Boy. We were on stage as Fall Out Boy like that. Just humble brag. You know, not a big deal. <laughs> but that's how we looked when we were on stage with Fall Out Boy. I wonder why they didn't fall in love with us. <laughs> they did. They did. I got catfished once. <laughs> I can't even go. Did you really? <laughs> Did you get catfished? Oh my god. I need to know the story immediately. I got catfished.
catfished once by someone who told me he was Pete Wentz. And I believed him. And then I got an unsolicited dick pic to my MySpace. And I was like, this is not Pete Wentz. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. You bought it? You Yeah. Guys, that's cold. You're preying on her teenage sensibilities. Yeah. <laughs> and her undying love for Pete Wentz. I was insecure. This guy added me. He put me in his top. I, I was so he embarrassed by the end. Yeah, that'll do it. I was so embarrassed by the end of it. As soon as I got that dick pic, I was like, this is not Pete Wentz. And I have just been. Pete Wentz's wiener would be much bigger than this. <laughs> it's just, uh, but yeah, that's the most embarrassing thing to ever happen to me that I've never shared with anyone until right now. So <laughs> happy birthday. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But um, everybody, you know, make sure you're washing your hands, wearing your masks. Lock your doors. Stay. Don't open your windows at night. I don't care how hot your upstairs is. Put like it, It's almost winter. <laughs> it's winter. <laughs> It's winter. <laughs> Keep your window shut. Not even the upstairs windows. Just lock them all. Yep. Because I'm sure we'll go through cases where you're like, yeah, they should have locked also the upstairs windows. But thanks for sticking with us. And we got a little off topic on this one. But <laughs> teenage years, man. Am I right? Oh, uh, no, I don't want to think about them. <laughs> no. no, maybe just a little. I'm nostalgic. <laughs> Not that one. Oh, man. All right. That's it for today. Thank you all so much for listening to Gruesome True Crime with me, Connie, and Meg. We appreciate every single one of you. We truly do. If you actually like us and you're not just trying to seduce and murder us, you can follow along or see extras from the show on our Instagram at Gruesome Podcast. Or if you want to tell us our skin would make a nice lampshade, or if you have follow-up questions about the episode, follow the form on our website, gruesomepodcast.com, and email us. We love hearing from you guys. You can listen to Gruesome at the links listed on that website, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you normally get your podcast bill. Thank you again. Be sure to subscribe. Check your back seat before you get into your car. And remember that on Wednesdays, we're, We're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. <laughs>